Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. In a world where women are men and men are women who swim in New Jersey and beat women, you need a podcast, a podcast off hiatus. Welcome to episode 133 of the Carpe Fide podcast, starring Jesse Gruber. I don't, I don't know what to do. And Justin Gruber. I always know what to do. I feel like you've started a recent podcast like that recently. I feel like you're just reusing the same bit now. It's been so long. This is a brand new podcast, my friend. It's essentially a new podcast. Welcome back to the Carpe Fide podcast. We humbly apologize for the hiatus. It has been busy it's been real sketch since g3 really we've recorded what three episodes maybe yeah, well that's not true we are, four because one of them we had to throw away we are working on transforming our lives and getting ourselves back onto a regular recording schedule and so much has happened but none of it's important so <laughs> that's not true that's I meant why in the we're real, recording I meant, this episode no i meant the other world in our worlds so what, many important things have happened what other world well you know it depends on if you believe in you know <laughs> Quantum Santa Claus and no one. No, I like my I like my Saint Nick slapping heretics. I don't I don't need a fat jolly man coming down chimneys staring at kids. That's Should not a good one. Let's not do that. He sees you when you're sleeping. Yes, yes. He knows when you're awake. We can't sing "Baby It's Cold Outside," but then we've got that that like pedophile song going on. It's like it doesn't seem right. Yeah, I don't that think is, we cancel the right songs. We don't. We don't. <laughs> we do not guess. Did you see the clip of that comedian that reads like a modern rap song? Yeah, <laughs> lyrics. He led, he, and yes, then baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> yes, because the we were the the, mo, the month we decided to cancel <laughs> the month we decided to cancel baby, it's cold outside was the same month that WAP was the number one song in the country on the Billboard charts. Good times. And it was like, hang on a second. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's the song he did. Hang on a second. <laughs> By the way, that was a great episode. Very, very Oh my gosh. If, you if you've never go listened back to, to the our archives. WAP episode, just make sure when you go there. Is WAP Whatever. Bring a bucket and a, a mop. Bring a bucket and a mop, so it's WAP. Bucket and a mop, and definitely don't leave the macaroni in the pot. All right. <laughs> that was a great episode to talk about how disgusting our culture is broken. <laughs> so broken. Why? Um, but we thought we'd take a time, take some time uh, in this episode to just catch you up on what's been going on, why we've been on a hiatus. Um, for, uh, we've been feeling emails. Many of you have been so patient with our shirts, um, man. And uh, we look forward to you having them as well as other shirts and stickers to make up for our failures. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Um, but okay, Jesse, it's been a busy couple of weeks for you. Why don't you why don't you tell us some of the goings ons, uh, <coughs> as as I have become a nephew for the sixth time, sixth time. You have not become a nephew for the sixth I time. <laughs> become I mean, a maybe you uncle have. for the sixth like time. It's unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> but he, how many uncles <laughs> are there? Just spawning uncles. <laughs> as I have become an uncle for the sixth time. Yes. We've had a baby, everybody. Yes, and that in and of itself is a miracle. Amen. But, um, well, what what were some of the complications that have gone on in the past two weeks just really bringing a whirlwind in, in 
in the Gruber clan. Well, I want to go back. Back in time? Three or four weeks. All right, let's go back a full month. All right. All right, a full month. <coughs> so we found out at Hannah's 32-week ultrasound that um, our baby, uh, named Remington, um, or as Waverly likes to call him, Little Remy Sleepington. <laughs> so stinking cute. Well, we'll find out later that he comes early, so I refer to him as Quick Draw. Remington, guns, quick draw. Okay. All right. See, it connects. All right, good. <laughs> My mind went somewhere else, but that's okay. A month ago. Um, yes. So uh, they found some brain abnormalities, basically, on his ultrasound. They sent us to um, one of the children's hospitals in the area, DuPont. We are blessed to be around two very major um, kind of renowned children's hospitals, uh, children's medical centers. Um, one in Delaware, which is, uh, Nemours DuPont, which is where we went. Uh, and then there's chop in Philly. Um, so we went there for a fetal MRI. Um, and the fetal MRI confirmed the brain abnormalities, uh, which is consistent with something called, um, congenital CMV, which is, um, essentially a virus that's contracted, um, in utero or while the baby is developing, uh, and can kind of wreak havoc. It's one of the few viruses that wreaks havoc and, and that can cross the placenta and kind of do a lot of damage, um, really early on. So, um, long story short, and we can get into details later. I'll, I'll do the, we'll do the 50,000 foot view. And then if you have questions or if you want to dive deeper, we can go into, you know, the birth and delivery and just all that God's been working through recently. But, um, the long story short is, um, the, the effects of the CMV, uh, and the extent of the neural damage uh, remains to be seen, but he could be any he could um, develop uh, fairly normally. Um, hearing loss is quite common um, with CMV, um, or he could have musculoskeletal issues. He could be in a wheelchair. He could be in a feeding tube. There's there's a huge gamut of possibilities. Um, with this diagnosis. So it's, it's really a wait and see. Um, but really more than a wait and see, it's a, it's a trust and pray, um, scenario. So, so about a month ago when we got the news as a family, um, I mean, I know, I know some things that I started immediately praying, but how did that impact you and, and, and your prayers for, for your beautiful little baby that was, was in the womb and, just all the anticipation, looking forward to things, and uh, and having that diagnosis, having that news come down. How did that? Uh, how did that affect your prayer? Did it affect your prayer life? Did it affect how you were praying for for your new baby? I don't pray, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never pray. Um, no, so I think like I think the struggle really, and the, the struggle remains, not that we could potentially have a handicapped child. I mean. Like Hannah and I, n- neither of us were uncomfortable with that as a potential reality in terms of the handicap itself, whatever it could be, if anything. Um, I think the the main stress is like, ha- what does life look like and what will life look like? And those answers simply just cannot be had prior to life happening. So, you know, like some things you can say like, oh, well, you know, this is, this is definitely, you know, the trajectory we're on, blah, blah, blah. But it's not really 
the brain is such a magnificent uh, work of creation that it's it's incredibly complex and can bounce back really well or could not. And so it's just one of those things that we have to wait and see on. Um, I think in terms of prayer, it was for just steadfastness, for patience, for um, for strength and for wisdom to make uh, wise decisions. Um, you know, they assured us that the birth would be fairly normal, um, that, that CMV doesn't create birth complications necessarily. Um, you know, we ended up having birth complications, which I'm sure we'll get to, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just, just kind of praying, praying for peace, praying for, uh, wisdom and ultimately just praying for healing. Uh, I mean, our God is a miraculous God who works, uh, in really amazing ways, um, for those whom he loves. And so we, we were, we were praying and still continue to pray for, for healing, um, from the get go. And, and how many weeks were you guys when you first got the news? How many weeks pregnant was, was, uh, I would like to say that we were, well, that was a 32 week mm, ultrasound. So there you go. Um, I know that my immediate prayer with, which was great. My, my, my daughter was really good at making sure anytime we were at a family meal that if I forgot to pray for baby Remington, we would begin begin a prayer yet again after we prayed for any meal. Um, and that was great because it really changed our family to making sure we were praying for baby Remington every chance we got. Um, and my prayer this whole time, and and as I as I was able to speak, even at our community group, uh, that first community group was that um, God would be glorified, that we would mightily glorify God uh, in baby Remington through baby Remington's life um, and that God would count us uh, worthy for the opportunity to do that. And and that was immediately how uh, began to pray and. Um, yeah, that was that was something that I thought was really impactful for for me and our family and praying for baby Remington as well. Um, how do you how do you feel the uh, nurses and doctors were when they first were trying to explain to you the diagnosis and their view on on the pregnancy? Um, a lot of it was I feel like <clears throat> so we had you know, at this point we're getting specialists involved, right? So there's the, there's the normal doctors, like the normal people you would see. And then there's the specialists that you follow up with for things like the MRI results. Those are the specialists at Nemours, the children's hospital that are going to be following his care essentially now for however long. Um, so I, I feel like the regular doctors were kind of really guarded with the information. I feel like they just wanted us to talk to with the specialists and let the specialists decide, which is fine. I mean, I, I work in healthcare. I know how that works. Um, you know, so I wasn't really surprised at that. Um, but there still really weren't really a lot of good, strong answers to be had mainly because he, he wasn't born yet. They didn't know how he would present outside of the womb. And again, like I said earlier, we won't know until he develops, you know, what type of issues he'd have. But, um, on, on two occasions, one, one with the quote unquote normal doctor, and then one with the, um, neurologist, the 
pediatric neurologist. Um, they both offered, um, because we live in New Jersey, um, they did offer us a chance to terminate the pregnancy, um, a.k.a. abort, a.k.a. Um, kill our 32-week child um, because of this diagnosis. Now, the initial doctor that offered it didn't even have... He just had the ultrasound. He didn't even have a, a confirmatory diagnostic imaging scan when he offered this. He says, well, you know, normally this would be, you know, it's can be kind of difficult and tricky, but we're in New Jersey. You're, you live in New Jersey. There's, you know, options that we can have and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, no, don't, don't ever talk to us about this again. <laughs> you moron. Um, you know, and I, I feel like he was kind of just relieved, like he really didn't want to talk about it. But the fact that it was offered at that stage, like at that early, like we don't even know anything at that point. And that's one of the first things that's being offered, um, was, was kind of, was kind of yucky. And then, um, the neurologist, when she was talking to us, she just kind of, she didn't really offer abortion, but she kind of wanted, was kind of just asking like, so, so are we, you're you're keeping the pregnancy right like you know like like she's just kind of confirming or verifying and we're like yeah no duh of course we're keeping the pregnancy like what else would we do like (laughs) but um but yeah i mean it's just disgusting that that it's disgusting that that's offered so early on because all we hear is oh no these things don't happen you know like you know it's it's it barely ever happens well it happened to us and it was one of the first lines of treatment <laughs> for, for this diagnosis. How many, how many other women are being offered that option for, for anything? We, we, don't even, we didn't even have a diagnosis. And that, it's just crazy. I don't know. You mean how many people are offered murder as the solution to medical care? I mean, that's the long and short of it. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's why we, we can murder this child. We're talking a 32, just so we're all clear, just so everyone listening is clear. We're talking a 32-week baby. There's nothing about this baby that is not human and obvious and clear and (laughs) fingers, toes, heartbeat, hair, skin, eyes, ears, nose, everything. This is a complete human that can survive outside the womb. Right. I mean, when we were in the NICU, there were 21-week twins that ended up getting delivered i think the day after we got delivered (laughs) and like talk about tiny man that's that is like right on the cusp of of being able to be medically intervened (laughs) could you imagine us us having to have shared a womb i don't think i don't think one of us would have made it no this is definitely i mean if we both came out it would be like a jacob esau type thing i mean we'd be grabbing and pulling and punching each other Mm mm-hmm I, I probably would have eaten you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I get, get kind of hungry. <laughs> You're just not violent enough. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been like, yeah, just eat me. It's too much work. <laughs> it's too much work. <laughs> just eat me already. <laughs> I don't want to hunt. I just want to make the stew. I committed to Hannah early on. I said, uh, Hannah, I will gladly take Remington back every year on his birthday to meet all of those doctors and nurses and remind them of what they what they would have lost. To be fair, not a single nurse did that. 
It was just the doctors. Praise God for the nurses, because, I mean, let's be honest. Our see, nurses were absolutely fantastic. They see life, and they understand, and... They do. You know, doctors, Gen- doctors sometimes get confused with questions of, you know, science, quote-unquote. Liability. Liability. <laughs> Emphasis on the lie. Yeah. How was Hannah um, in receiving the news and, and, and walking through that process as, as her husband? Um, I mean, I, it's just, it was definitely a shock. I mean, we, it's not nothing we were expecting. Um, you know, every other scan had been fine up until that point. Um, we weren't worrying about anything. We didn't have any concerns. Um, you know, I mean, the, the pregnancy was kicking her butt. But other than that, you know, we didn't really see. Um, excuse me. Well, uh, this is an interlude. Sorry. Didn't really see any reason to be concerned. I mean, so it, it was shocking. And I wasn't there at, at her appointment. So get, I mean, I'm getting the text at home. You know, like, uh, the doctors wants to look at more things. They're concerned. You know, you know, I'm getting those types of texts. I'm like, oh, no, what, like, what's going on? Um, but I mean, like, I, in terms of handling the news, I thought Hannah did really well. Um, you know, overall, I, I think... I think she understood from the beginning that it was a wait and see. You know, we didn't have we didn't have the details, but you know, we, we did couldn't didn't need to freak out about anything um, prematurely. Um, but yeah, I mean, but it, it's obviously mentally exhausting because then you start you start looking it up, you start joining the the Facebook groups and the support groups and all, you know all that stuff, and you know I, I would imagine her brain was just overact over overactive not overreactive but overactive in trying to figure out what's what's going to happen to uh little remy sleepington i have two 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 areas i want to go and one of the areas that i think we can since you kind of led us there is um i don't i don't want i want to emphasize that it's not just in the medical field it's just pervasive in our culture the idea of murdering your child if there's going to be an inconvenience um to whatever you think is convenient um, because you've seen things on the support groups that just have been very sad to me to, that, that this is where we're at. Um, people just like, you know what? No, you know, looking back on it. Yeah. I probably would have killed my child, you know, as, as they, what did you say? They shared a picture of what their what, three-year-old child Four year, Yeah. Their four-year-old, <coughs> four-year-old girl shared a picture I guess this mom was had gotten a diagnosis in utero and was, um, and was considering abortion as an option, and she was trying to get opinions. I'm like, okay, so you know, Facebook support group is probably like a weird place to be asking that, but um, you know, Hannah sent me. I sh- always want complete strangers <laughs> to tell me what I should do with the life of my child. I think that's really where we want to. I mean, you know what? People still put their kids in public school, so. Carry on. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so <laughs> I distracted myself. Um, but yeah, so I mean, people were weighing in. Hannah said a lot of them were, you know, very encouraging, um, as they should be. But, um, you know, this, this one woman was like, Here, here's a picture of my daughter. She's got these issues. She's got seizures. She's got musculoskeletal. She's got developmental delays. She's got this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, had I known this was what it was going to be like, I probably would have considered abortion. So, good luck. And I was like, you you literally posted a picture 
of your adorable little girl and said, yeah, no, I kind of wish she didn't exist. Yeah, that's a, that's just like a dystopian idea. And I think the more, the more I enjoy dystopian type fiction and, and, and novels and movies, the more I realize I think I enjoy them because, uh, they kind of lay just out like a kind roadmap. of like modern, <laughs> modern political commentary. Yeah, <laughs> they just lay out a roadmap for where we need, we are, where we're headed, and you know, just to get prepared. <laughs> it's almost like Be a prep. It's like prepper movies now. Dystopian, dystopian movies are just prepper movies right now. <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, that's that's really disturbing. How do you feel? I and this is one of the things that really encouraged me. How do you feel the church has been in supporting uh, you guys? As soon, like from from the moment you were you were able to post prayer requests and and, and through the process. I mean. It, <clears throat> There's been no shortage of support from our our tiny body. Um, I mean, everybody's kind of just been on on all hands on deck ever since Remy was born. So we had we had to have Remy stay in the NICU for a week um, after he was delivered. There were some complications with Hannah's uh, placenta, I guess, and that was causing the baby stress. So they did a C-section. I hope they weren't guessing. Jeez, don't guess. <laughs> no, they seemed pretty confident that okay. something bad was happening. I mean, okay. they didn't know it was her placenta necessarily until afterwards, but when they took it out and she showed me pictures, it, it was weird. It was a weird thing to look at. Yes, um, the placenta itself is a is just a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, God, God done. God does amazing things. <laughs> it's yeah. just, but also, some of them are like, what? Yeah. Anyway, um, but I mean, you know, our entire time in the hospital, being able, we we have tried to update our church family with prayer requests as often as we could. Um, it, it was harder to do than I would have thought that it would have been because our information was so limited. Like we were just waiting, <laughs> we were just waiting for test results, waiting for this, waiting for that. Um, but I mean uh, the, the amount of love and support, I mean, I ran home with the kids one day and, um, a couple of the ladies, Amy and, uh, Kareen were, and, uh, Becca were just, they were cleaning our house and it was just like, Hi, what are you doing at my house? I'm like, oh no, we're just you know they're cleaning clothes and putting them away and getting our house in order for us for when we came home and um, between you know gift cards and and meals and um, all of that stuff has just been absolutely insane. And I mean, I, I've never, I've probably never felt such the the effects of prayer. Um, I think poured out on me personally and on my family as tangibly as I have with this whole ordeal with Remy. I mean, whenever anybody says that they, that they are praying for me, I just say your, your prayers are effective. They, they are, they are working and have worked already. Um, because just so many through the entire birth process, there's just miracle after miracle after miracle that, that had to have come about through God's grace being poured out on us because of the prayers of the saints. I'm, I'm 100% convinced of it. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I think that's a fact. The the mobile army just seeking to care and understand what was going on, um, you know, running the back end kind of stuff because we're not in the hospital, we're not getting the information, but watching Becca communicate and reach out and uh, coordinate. It was uh, it was it was wonderful to watch and uh, a reminder that I think one of the reasons we have something like a Facebook group is just the reality that people need the community the church has been called to provide. They need the body and family of God. Um, they were made for it. We were we were wired for community. Uh, we were we were created by God to live in community with Him and others in creation. A triune God made us. Uh, a, a God that's lived in perfect community 
uh, from everlasting to everlasting. And, and I think it's, it's a call. Like we're looking at it. We're looking to a Facebook group to strangers to, to find some sort of community. Um, when I'm watching the body of Christ, just lift up and, and care for, uh, for you guys. And I'm just, it's just a, a, a huge contrast. Um, and it's probably a good reminder that we as the church have such a, a, um, a responsibility, uh, to love one another, uh, very well because the world is called to look to us in that love, um, so that, that they can see the love of the father in the church. And if, if we're not loving one another, then, then, I mean, John asked the question, do we, do we love God? How can you say you love God if you don't love your brother and sister in Christ? Uh, so that was, that was a, a huge encouragement. Um, and, and all the while you, you're experiencing these miracles, I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to, um, spend a lot more time with your kids, <laughs> uh, you know, the other five, uh, human beings that are, that are around. And, uh, and that was, and they were all safely returned home. Yeah. We'd no one <laughs> after every instance <laughs> didn't lose one of them. All five survived multiple occasions. Um, Maverick did lock Amy out of the house one time. <laughs> uh, then there's the time where you randomly like, where's Maverick? And, uh, oh, he's just staring at you th- on the outside, the other side of, of the window, the inside door. And you're like, but you can't just be outside. Like, <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> just looking at you through the door. Oh, um, that was that was great to be able to to you know offer care and discipline and 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 reuniting and encouragement and and that was that was phenomenal uh, to be an uncle to my nephews and nieces. Yes, I did, did that right. Um, um, getting getting to, on, on the other side, I'm getting to talk to. to my my mother, our our mother, um, and and try to help her uh, walk through it because one of the things that I, our our mom definitely doesn't like to walk through is the unknown. Uh, it's definitely hard for her, and uh, and I I was reminded that there are times there are so many times where I'm able to um, remind her of things, and and she's always thankful and grateful, and we have wonderful conversations. But you know it's the the awareness for her was why do i have to be reminded of these things and i think i think one of the things i've been so thankful for this process with remington is that it's these are the things that remind us of what is important when it comes to life uh, and godliness and and the fact that uh, the joy of the lord is our strength and and that god gives grace for the moment and we look at things like how can we possibly and the answer is god God gives you in those moments things that you didn't know you were capable uh, of doing and, and, and gives you in those moments grace you didn't know existed prior to them. Um, it's real and it's true. Um, and, 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 but, you know, as many times as, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm doing okay and, and then when I, I forget and my mom has to remind me and I'm like, well, you look, I remind you all the time because when I forget, I need you to say, how many hundreds of times have you said this to me? <laughs> um, and, and walking through this with Remy was definitely awesome uh, to be reminded of what's important. Yeah, I mean, not only, like, <clears throat> not only our family here and our church family here, but as we were able to share updates with, um, our Canadian chat groups and with Facebook, I mean, just everybody, the, the torrent of support was just great. I remember, I remember reaching out to, uh, to Cliff one day and just being like, dude, I, I feel weird. Like I haven't been in the word, but I know that it's okay. Cause we're like 
awake for days on end and stuff's just weird and he's just like like just a little thing like don't worry like all of those days that you have stored up in your mind and in your heart of of faithful reading of God's word will now just be poured out in these moments like to sustain you and i was like holy holy cow like <laughs> that's, that's really deep <laughs> like, that's really cool I and mean, it, it it comforted me and there was so much comfort coming from so many levels never did i feel I felt physically uncomfortable because we were both very exhausted from days of, of being awake, but, and just, just from the event, but I never felt uncomfortable or unsure for the outcome for, for understanding who God is and, and the role of the church and all of this. And like ne- never once did I doubt the trajectory that we were on as some type of mistake. It's, it, none of it was a mistake. Yeah. I, um, I guess one of the things I want to walk, I want you to have the opportunity to walk through is there's, there was a lot of instances. um, And I know, I remember you kept just saying that you you need to write them all down and you and Hannah need to write them all down and be able to look back on them. Um, But just from having, you know, a hard interaction with, with one nurse, you know, for one shift only to be, you know, floored with the care of the next nurse that God would bring you to remind you that he was there and he was working and, and just time after time, uh, medical um, medical decisions being made that were just miraculous uh, for you guys. Um, maybe just if you can, you don't have to recount them all. You don't have to pull out your notebook and start reading them. But what were some of the most impactful things that you saw God do um, in ways that that are what we what we call the we we, we think of as mundane, but were obviously miraculous. Um. I mean, I, I think the first the first thing was when, so let me back up. It, I have to explain this. It's not going to take long. So I, I changed jobs a little more than a year ago, and we haven't needed doctors for anything. So we didn't really have any doctors that we were seeing. So when Hannah got pregnant, we were like, oh, oh no, we have to find an OB. We have to find this and that and the other thing. So um, I was talking to my colleagues, like, all right, well, who do you guys see? You guys have babies, you know? Like, well, <laughs> you have babies. You know, what you do you do with the babies? <laughs> um, so, um, and you know, one of them recommended this uh, midwife, this midwife group. Um, and uh, one of the, like, literally the first midwife that my wife ever had with Evelyn, her name was um, Waverly. That's actually who we named Waverly after. Um, she was just so phenomenal. She's actually at this practice that delivers at the hospital I work at, who my insurance is for. Still couldn't get a Justin in there, huh? All those sons, not one Justin. But the midwife gets a baby. Midwife gets a baby. I don't know what to tell you. I'm kidding, good. <laughs> um, so, um, so you know, but the the thing with the midwife group is, you know, you had to sign off your right to, uh, um an epidural, like they, they, they go nat very naturally, this, that, and the other thing. Um, and I, I told Hannah, I counseled her, I said, you should absolutely do this. I mean, it's worth it just to have stress-free appointments, knowing that these people share a lot of the values that you have and the, the experience is just so much better. So we, we ended up going with that midwife group. Now we, we learned that the hospital that we had to deliver at because she had C-sections in the past, um, had to deliver there and that she may or may not have a midwife at her delivery, um, which, you know, in the end was fine because the delivery was supposed to be fine. So Hannah goes into labor last Monday at 35 weeks, which is early. 
early yeah um and um they they see some concerning signs they're called late decelerations they see some concerning signs on the baby monitor um that kind of rushed us into a room and and this that and the other thing well one of the first people that was able to walk in was one of the midwives from this group she was able to come and be with hannah literally the entire time through the c-section through through everything and like god just orchestrated all of that months ago you know like when we when we were choosing groups and stuff like that i mean she was such a huge and tremendous help for hannah the entire time just explaining things she was there um for her for her c-section for the parts that i couldn't be there for or wasn't allowed to be there for she was there she was holding her hand she was comforting her she was extremely encouraging she was advocating for her it was amazing and she said she just said thank god that she was there because it would have been a much scarier experience had she not have been um and you know the the midwife actually was like look no you you really probably should have a c-section she's like look you know that we're the low intervention people but you, you really need one and that just helped us make that decision in in the moment like you know, this person would not be telling us to get a C-section if they really didn't think it was in the best interest of us and the baby. So that that was like one of the first huge, huge miracles of day one was having that midwife there. Um, the look, sovereign hand of God the whole time yeah. through months and you didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. Yep. Wouldn't have been able to tell you until last Monday. And that's a miraculous God. <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean... All of the medical staff that that treated us um, really was exceptional. I mean, I work in healthcare, so I know what a mixed bag we are uh, in terms of quality and motivation and compassion. But the the NICU team and the mother baby team was just so tremendous, um, wildly compassionate, um, telling telling us that they are praying for us. <laughs> I mean, like that's amazing. What a beautiful testimony they were to us that they would be willing to offer prayers hopefully to the sovereign god um is that because you brought your us. giant bible into the into the room so that you could see like, <laughs> no but for the first couple of days i wore i wore, you, you I wore brought, a shirt that said christ alone on it so i mean that probably you, gave it away to bring your you unchained the uh the 1689 that you had in the basement the one that was <laughs> chained to wittenberg's and <laughs> brought i it just in, dragged smack. the whole pulpit <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, but no, I mean they they were all extremely good. I mean e- even one morning we or was it yeah it was morning, this nurse came on and she was she was really I, I describe it as crotchety like she was in a, she was flustered she was not communicating well, you know it just seemed to be a personality thing. It's like okay we'll just get through the day and you know everything's fine. Um, we actually like two hours later we got switched off of that nurse not not by our request. There was a huge influx of patients, so they had to move a lot of staff around. And that nurse actually, she left for her shift very late. It was like 10 o'clock at night, and she was leaving. And we heard her saying her goodbyes because it's it's an open unit and everything like that. And then she actually, that nurse actually walked back to our room and opened the curtain and with tears in her eyes just apologized to us for the way that she was for that short time that she explained that there was a lot going on and that she did not want to have us in a situation where we felt like we may not be cared for. And she's like literally almost crying (laughs) and we're like, no, please. It's okay. Thank you. Like just that she would come back and do that. Like the amount of humility that that takes, like, you know, you're literally leaving. You'll probably never see these people again, (laughs) but to come back and make that connection. Like, I I don't know that it was just, that that was such a tender moment after, after what wasn't a tender moment. (laughs) And not only that, she she handed you off to a nurse that was just, 
taking good care of you, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, it, it, the nurses were fantastic. Day shift, night shift, uh, all of them were extremely, extremely helpful. They helped advocate for us when they knew we were exhausted. Um, the nurse, ma- oh, here's another, here's another thing. The nurse manager of the NICU is um, friends with um, Sherman's family, the, the, one of the other elders at our church. Um, is friends with his wife. He, she actually went to church with him growing up, apparently. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, you know, so she, she's telling us, she's praying for us. She's there in rounds advocating for us. And, you know, for there was there was one day where the doctor said he might, uh, Remington might be on a six-week IV treatment in the NICU. And we were just floored. We're like, what in the world? And, you know, the the nurse manager, Jen, she's just like, look, I knew you were a nurse. Like, maybe you can do these infusions at home. Like, we, we're, we're going to find a way to get you out of here. Like, I mean, everyone was just so focused on on us and our baby and, and getting home safely. Um, that was just really, really cool. Um, another really interesting thing is just is kind of like what I said in terms of timelines. God just moving these timelines of which absolutely no one, not even the medical staff, had any control of. Um, one of the first things they did on Monday after he was born was send his urine off to test for CMV, to test to see if his body is shedding the virus. There are two labs in the country that run this test. (laughs) Which is not a lot of labs. Not a lot of labs. One's in Virginia, Chantilly, Virginia, which is where, which is where his urine was sent. The other somewhere on the West coast. So we were told we wouldn't have the results until that Friday or possibly the following Monday. And by God's grace, the results came in on Wednesday, only like less than 72 hours after they sent the test off, which was normally would have taken, you know, five to seven days, you know, and just we were able to start the treatment, the antiviral treatment just that much sooner. We were able to start it orally as opposed to intravenously. So we were able to get discharged. We didn't have to be there for six weeks. It was just there was so much rejoicing, you know going on between just being so thankful for the nursing staff, thankful for this timeline, thankful for this, these, these drugs, which are relatively, relatively new, but, but promising treatments for congenital CMV. I mean, um, it was, it's just been, it's been so encouraging, really. Um, it's been overwhelmingly encouraging. Um, yeah, it's just very good. It's absolutely awesome. And I know that there's more you could share. Um, Hopefully, what what we wanted to do was give you an update of where we're at and, and let you know that there was wonderful and glorious reasons why we were not with you. Uh, we wanted to share them with you. We want you to be encouraged. You get what you pay for. Let's be honest. <laughs> we just want you to be encouraged uh, because God has been moving over here. And, and what we know is that he's been moving uh, in your lives as well. Um, I didn't want to. I don't want to forget that we are celebrating one of my favorite times of the year as well advent it's one of my favorite times i love the advent uh the season of what some people one some call christmas which is we're gonna say eagles cowboys but christmas oh no go birds um <laughs> always an opportunity to go birds um and and when you're you're speaking and you're talking about god and moving timelines and and it's just a reminder god always works this way Time is in the hand of God. Nothing is outside of his sovereign hand. And so working out your um, your nursing situation months in advance, you know, and, and your delivery months in advance, of course, is what God would do. Um, 
we spent some time on Isaiah this past Sunday, and so to encourage you as well, listener, with God in his hands of timelines, uh, Isaiah 9, chapter, uh, chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, read this way. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish in earlier times. He treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, and those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And I read that because it's such an interesting passage. God moving timelines, God's hand uh, throughout time, moving in a way that orchestrates his completely sovereign and divine plan. There is no plan B. There's only God's plan. Um, you jump to Matthew chapter 4 and you hear the culmination of something written down in Isaiah. And it should just send shivers down our spines because this is the God we serve. There is a hope in the hands of God. We have uh, an unearthly hope because our hand is in our heavenly, our, our hope is in the hands of our heavenly Father. In Matthew 4, in the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, here's what we read. Now, when Jesus heard that John, that's John the Baptist, had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali. Remembering again that we just read these words in Isaiah 9.1. He treated the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali with contempt, but later on he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Jesus moves his ministry in keeping with accordance of the scriptures orchestrated by the divine hands of God in the northern part of Israel, far from Jerusalem, in the land of Judea. He moves from Nazareth, Jesus the Nazarene, towards the Sea of Galilee, because from the sea in a land of great darkness would shine a great light. Hmm. A light had come. And just as God moved then with Christ and his ministry, looking from Isaiah all the way into the, the book of Matthew, God works every day for us. We should not be ignorant of these things. Um, and the time that we have been spending getting to know Remington now and walking through the journey of the miraculous birth that he has had is a, is a wonderful reminder that we there's a miraculous birth that God always worked through in Christ. He works through every birth miraculously, every timeline. He is working through in his perfect order. And so circumstances that become hard and difficult are opportunities to look for and make much of the glory of God. Because mm -hmm. as Job said, the Lord is given, the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So I, I hope you're encouraged uh, to hear what's going on. We look forward to uh, getting you some regular content and, uh, and we're excited as we're have another another Gruber in the clan, mm -hmm. <laughs> baby Remington, who I'm sure is just going to be one shotgun of a kid, that guy, mm -hmm. <laughs> or something else to do with Remington, a long arm of some sort. Bolt action rifle. Bolt action. <laughs> um, but I just thank you guys for spending some time with us here and, uh, and being patient with us, um, and we look forward to continuing to interact with you. 
Um, if you uh, have any stories uh, about God's sovereign hand working, we'd love to hear them. Share them with us. We are, uh, we're, we're definitely looking forward to that encouragement. And, uh, and if we can be an encouragement to you, we would love to do that. So reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or email us at hello. Did I get that right? Oh, man. Hello at carpefide.com, which I always get wrong. Um, anything else, Jess? No, I think, I mean, I think that's it. It's, it's been a good update episode. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to keeping uh, keeping updating here with you guys. And uh, as always, we would hope that you indeed would seize, seize the, the faith. faith.